This is the VIP Podcast, Virginia in Politics. Let's listen to host Chris Saxman explore the personalities and policies that connect the Commonwealth. The VIP Podcast is brought to you by the VCTA, Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the VCTA and Virginia Free or our sponsors. Well, good morning. This is Chris Saxman on the VIP Podcast, bringing along today two brand new VIPs to Virginia in Politics podcast, Delegate Clint Jenkins and Delegate Wendy Goditas. Say good morning, all. Good Good morning, everybody. There we go. Thank you for this opportunity. Really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all the hard work that you're doing and your past uh, um, um, work in the General Assembly. Really appreciate that. And uh, so thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. All in favor? (laughs) See, bipartisan support right out of the gate. Nothing but love. Nothing but love. No, um, you know, one of the things that I've always said about uh, politics and people, especially uh, those who serve and put themselves up for election, by and large, they're just wonderful people trying to make their communities better. And I'll say it right out of the gate, as I told you all uh, before we went on, uh, thank you for your service. Uh, It's not an easy time to be in politics, elected politics in particular as partisan and as um, vitriolic as things have become, as nasty as they have become. Uh, I I just wanna thank you for having the the desire and the willingness to step up and do the hard work that it takes to get elected. And therefore I respect uh, you out of the gate, no matter what happens there on policy differences. But let's uh, let's jump into uh, more current events. What's going on? We'll go to the the gentlelady from Loudoun and you're in a new district. Tell us about the new district 31, I believe. Well, first of all, I am the delegate from Clark. Oh, <laughs> I actually live oh. in tiny little rural Clark County. And okay. the reason I am so rudely correcting you is that the new district, actually where I live, no longer includes Loudoun. So where I live now is all of Clark County, I think a tiny piece of Frederick, and then a, a sort of the top it grabs a bunch of Warren County, which is oh. completely different because Warren County was not at all a part of uh, District 10, which I represent now. Right. So District, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. I want to say 31. But I think you're 31, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so it, it is a totally different district. Let me tell you why I like the way it's drawn. I ran in 2017, one of the things I wanted the most was to fix the gerrymandering that Mm. was so prevalent um, and that actually created District 10 in a very gerrymandered way. And one of the things I objected to is the guidelines, you're supposed to use natural elements as geographical boundaries. And so I'm looking out my window now at the Blue Ridge and at the bottom of that is the Shenandoah River. So the mm. old district did not respect those boundaries. The new district respects the Blue Ridge as a natural boundary, which is great. Plus, it keeps a much bigger rural area together. So in terms of the other one of the other guidelines is keeping communities of interest together. And this new district does that. So that's okay, the well, new district. I, I didn't take offense at all for being corrected by the, the delegate from Clark. 
Uh, as you're a delegate, uh, district number 31, I'm in my 31st year of marriage and I'm corrected all right. the time. <laughs> nice to make that segue for, for uh, the, the, the delegate from, is it Suffolk or Chesapeake? Where do you live, Clint? Actually, I live in Suffolk. There we go. Actually, yeah, Suffolk on the borderline of Chesapeake. Okay. And uh, you won in 2019, defeating the House Appropriations Chairman Chris Jones and have a slightly redrawn district. How is the new district at uh, number 89, I believe? Yeah, uh, the uh, 89 district has a uh, 0.45 deviation. Uh, it, it can go e in any way. Uh, all depends on who works the hardest. Um, that's okay. what this new district is, is all about. Uh, it's slightly different. It, it covers a lot of rural Suffolk and uh, a large part of Chesapeake now. Uh, the majority of the voters are now in Chesapeake versus Suffolk, whereas uh, in the 76, where Delegate Jones and I were, uh, the majority of the voters were in Suffolk. So there, there, there is a shift right there. And, okay. uh, but but it's, it's an exciting district and uh, um, it's, it's, it's there for the person who works the hardest. There you go. It's a wonderful adage in politics. Um, let's talk about your districts and the upcoming uh, elections in them, and then we'll go into policy. I want to set the frame for our audience as to what you're looking at and when, you, when you're looking at your re-election. And the top questions when districts are changed as much as they are in the lines redrawn, are you running again and are you staying in the same district or are you moving to parts of the previous district? I'll go, I'll go back to Clinton and then over to Wendy. Well, um, uh, I am running again, and but I'm running in a district, a different district. Uh, what has happened is because of the, uh, the redistricting, uh, Suffolk now has an open senatorial uh, uh, seat, Senate District 17, which was formerly uh, Senator Lucas district. And now she has been redistricted out of Suffolk um, into a different district. And now Suffolk is, is open. So Suffolk is the majority district in the new 17th uh, senatorial district. And uh, once again, uh, it, it encompasses all of Suffolk and uh, uh, my address. So being that uh, the 17th district will not have a senior person, Senator Lucas, uh, I have been asked to, to seek that seat and uh, I have graciously said yes. And the, the amazing thing is, <laughs> the amazing thing is in my current district, it is a uh, 0.45 deviation. The senatorial district is only a 0.44 deviation. Okay, so is this a first time public declaration breaking news? Delegate Clinton Jenkins is running for the Senate of Virginia? Oh, no, 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 that's-, oh, that's right. the, come on. <laughs> you, 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 I mean, you, you know, you could have said that's yes. Old. You could have just uh, flat out just told Saxman, <laughs> yeah, I did. I announced on the show. No? That's, no. that's old news. That's old news. That's old news. <laughs> All right. Well, it, didn't make, it, didn't, it didn't make short pumps. So uh, I'm out here in short pump languishing without, uh, without proper internet service, I guess. Well, that's exciting news, Clint. What made you run for the Senate, aside from people coming to you? And there's, that's always a talk before someone makes an announcement. People approach you. I mean, that, that was some of the sufferings I had back in 2008. Uh, around the Senate campaign myself, uh, chose not to do it, but you're, you've jumped in through the Senate to replace in that district number, uh, I guess, uh, Senator Louise Lucas, who is now pitted against uh, Lionel Spruill. Yes, 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 yes. Um, basically, uh, in, in the, currently in the district now, um, I am viewed as the senior person uh, uh, on the Democratic side. And uh, uh, so person who wanted someone with experience who's been there 
and that's able to um, galvanize the district as a whole. Uh, my, my prior experience as the third congressional district chair, vice chair for the fourth congressional district, uh, been around for a while. And yeah. uh, so they wanted someone who will really work and get out and um, have the experience to get the job done and to galvanize people and bring them together. And uh, Well, that's so very exciting. So you're going for the big pay increase. You know, there's, if you win the Senate, there's a pay increase of uh, $358 a year. What do you intend yeah. to do with what do you intend to do with that largesse? I'll tell you what, uh, 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 most of the time that's spent before you get it. <laughs> <laughs> for, for the audience, the, uh, the house, if, I, if memory serves, makes a whopping $17,642 before taxes. The Senate uh, makes $18,000 a year. So that's just, you know, that's a, you know, couple extra, couple extra burgers there, definitely. Uh, let's go over to Wendy. The extra gas money. It's yes. gas, gas money to cover the district. <laughs> I don't, I don't, do you really want to open up that box of worms there? I don't think so. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not do. I can do gas prices all day long. Let's uh, let's go, delegate, delegate Gaditis. Are you staying in the new thirty-first and Clark County? Well, I am certainly not moving. And if you saw where I live, you would understand why. We have some horses. I'm a lifelong horsewoman. And you, at one point I was an international level equestrian competitor. So that's a big part of my life. And it's just so beautiful. And we raise our kids here and no, I'm not moving. Um, however, it is, I'm, my personal opinion is that there will not be house elections this November. I, I just believe it's too late for that. So I'm betting that they're not happening this year. And given that, um, I feel like it's too early for a decision. So, oh, is that right? So you're you're not uh, you haven't decided. I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. That's very interesting. And I have to tell you, you have probably the most beautiful backdrop I've ever had on a Zoom call to date. Uh, it's it's lovely. I'm from the Shenandoah Valley myself uh, originally, so I totally appreciate your backdrop. And if I remember Wendy from our first conversation in I want to say 2017. Um, the middle of 2017, when you were running for the House of Delegates against then Delegate Randy Minshew, mental health was a big issue in your campaign because of your personal proximity to it, tragedy in your family. Um, where, what work have you done on this? I know you've done a lot of work on it. Let's update the audience on uh, what you have done and what you think still needs to be done. Well, it's it's such a huge problem. It's hard to you know, so that in a very general way to just support all the work that all 140 of us in the General Assembly are trying to do towards it in a more specific way. Um, one example is that Winchester City, which the city itself is Winchester City and Frederick County and Clark County, this area um, is served by the health system called Valley Health. Mm -hmm six hospitals, Winchester Medical Center being one of them, and our wonderful law enforcement from all these, the sheriffs and the police chiefs. And those organizations have requested a crisis center, a 16 bed crisis center, so that law enforcement has a place to put people who are in crisis where they can stay and it might just be 48 hours until they come down off the drug or the alcohol or you know whatever it is it might be a few days what to give time to find the right bed for them right. elsewhere in virginia or you know or at at one of the hospitals um and so that was a 
it's, as we know, the desperate need for beds for uh, people suffering mental illness is it's just gotten so bad in Virginia. And if we can, if we can invest what really is not a huge amount of money uh, in comparison to our state budget into local crisis centers, that could go a big way to alleviating some of the pressure from especially our, our law enforcement who are being asked to do the most insane things, uh, right. <laughs> not intending to be funny with the word insane, but- Certainly um, pun intended. The, the craziest things about driving them for hours and hours and hours and right, right. to get to a bed and the shifts and the, and then that means that, you know, that means that maybe the local shifts are that the other law enforcement officers have trouble finding enough time to cover for those people. It's just, it's really, really tough. So anyway, um, Delegate Bill Wiley, who represents Winchester and part of Frederick County, um, and I put in a budget amendment, and we believe that it's in both the House and Senate budgets, and we are crossing our fingers that that will go through as soon as we vote on this budget. And, uh, and you know, maybe, maybe it can be an example of a way to alleviate pressure. So that, that's a, a specific example of how I'm trying to help. Good, good for you. Uh, Clint, what have you been working on in particular for your district that you want to go now to the new Senate district and say, see what I've done? I've done this X, Y, and Z. You, you went to mute on us. There's some things that I need to go back, go and touch up on. Uh, Medicaid. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the first things I did when I got to the General Assembly was um, submitted um, um, legislation to make sure that everyone who has Medicaid uh, has access to dental care. At, at first, it was senior citizens and youth, but uh, my legislation made sure that everyone across the spectrum, if you have Medicaid, you have access to dental and eye care. And uh, I received some calls from the, the medical profession, as well as the Washington Post, stay, say, stating that as a result of that, um, the, the medical industry, the dental industry is being overwhelmed um, mm. from persons with needing dental assistance. And uh, um, um, so we need to go back and, and, and add more funding to that and uh, just kind of tweak it a little bit so that uh, all those persons out there that need that type of assistance uh, can that it is available uh, to them. I believe currently now that if you have medical uh, Medicaid, then there are only two days, two days of the week allotted uh, uh, for, for the availability of that, 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 that care. So I have to go back and tweak that. Um, so that's, that's one thing I'm gonna be working on. The other thing that uh, I would like to work on is um, uh, um, education. Okay. Uh, education, I'll making assuring that our teachers uh, um, get the, the, their wages, the wages that's due to them um, um, for, for what they do inside the classroom. Uh, they do quite a lot uh, uh, making sure that our youth are prepared for tomorrow, for the future. So we want to make sure that we continue to strive and push to, to bring their, their wages up. But not only that, um, um, schools, um, uh, new construction, building schools, making sure they're available schools. Um, there is a there's a challenge there. Uh, the conditions of our schools, our buildings. So we need to revisit that and uh, make sure and come up with a system that is uh, that that can 
assure that the funding is available to help those those areas that that do not have the the assistance or the funding uh, right. to get the funding that's necessary to build uh, improve their school systems. Well, this is where we're uh, we're coming into that rub area in in policy and funding now that things are things are hopefully getting back to normal. Uh, went through a very difficult two years as a country, as a, as a, as a world. Um, and now uh, the reports are that there are over 2 million people enrolled in Medicaid uh, with the expansion and with the pandemic and funding that's going to be changing and uh, verifying eligibility for Medicaid patients is going to be difficult, um, not just time consuming, but difficult for people who are being you know, taken off the Medicaid rolls if you will, but also you have the, um, the leverage, I say the leverage, the rub, I guess the rub is a better word, of education funding at the same time. And then because Medicaid's growing organically, and then we have the additional population, how do you see that playing out in the next two or three years, Delegate Jenkins? Uh, I, I tell you, um, it, 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 this, it's gonna require a lot of research, a lot of research and, uh, uh, um, 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 to, to, to put it together. It's going to require a lot of research. And that's what we're doing now. We're, we're, we're gearing up to preparing for uh, um, uh, looking at the expertise, talking to the expertise out there in the field and um, trying to come up with those solutions that, to deal with those challenges that, are, that, that we're going to be facing in the future. So we're already talking to the uh, stakeholders and um, the expertise, the experts out there and trying to make sure that we are prepared. Because we have this, you know, large surplus right now, deleguiditis. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's unprecedented. Most of the time, you're fighting for more money to fund Medicaid and K through 12 and transportation, the core services. But now we have this, you know, once in a, frankly, once in a lifetime, at least once in a generation, um, influx of money, and we're going to have these funding challenges in the future. And I think the battle is going to be between Medicaid and K through 12, especially. Where do you see things going, deleguiditis? So you said increase in population, and that's interesting because yes, Virginia is doing pretty well in population, although there's more and more an imbalance between Northern and Eastern Virginia. Well, yeah, I meant, uh, I meant Medicaid population. Medicaid population. So we must um, increase the, re the reimbursement. Oh, is that what the word I'm looking for? Come on, what's it called? went for right. doctors yeah, yeah, for the medical sure, sure. because it's very hard to get the doctors uh, right. to sign up to treat Medicaid patients. It's something we're going to have to do because our population is aging. The baby boomers are, you know, the huge segment of the population and are aging and are going to need the care. Um, and not everyone's going to be able to afford it on a healthy retirement income. So we're going to have to we're going to have to encourage medical professionals to care for for that population. I happen to believe that health care is a right. We all deserve health care, and it's pretty shameful in this country that there are so many many thousands of people, even in Virginia, who struggle to get the care they need and deserve. So. Um, I think that Virginia is wealthy enough to do both. I think we can prioritize the well-being of our people. And for me, that includes feeding the hungry, 
housing people, giving, you know, providing housing that people can afford. Um, certainly healthcare and education for kids. And those, those are, that's why I got into this political stuff um, because oh, yeah. I think that people, people deserve, people deserve these things. To me, these are human rights. Okay. And I guess it went back to the funding discussion of the, the coming, because in, in Virginia and in most states, you, you can't run a deficit. You have to pay your bills. Um, and the rub of Medicaid, if you want to, you know, increase dental and you want to increase your population and uh, feeding and housing and all, and, all the, and all the like, and you have the, the challenge of also funding K through 12, um, what do you do when, when that collides or wh where, do you, where do you find the revenue? Where, where, what's your go-to area delegate Godivus? What are your priorities? Between those two things, they are both priorities. Okay. And I, again, I think we can afford both. I really do. I think we can we can afford both. And there are ways to do it. Certainly other states find ways to do it. I grew up in New Jersey, which, yes, is a very high tax state, very high tax. Virginia is a low tax state. Maybe there's a happy medium where we don't have people who can't afford to live, where we don't have people dying from illnesses that were preventable, treatable. We don't have children without dental care, without eyeglasses, you know, I think that, I think we can do it if we, if what, we what, decide what we that, care. What does that middle ground look like to you on when it comes to, to you mentioned tax policy in the difference between New Jersey, which has large uh, local property taxes, which funds their schools. Right. Um, and then, so they don't have, I, th I think their obligations are different. I, I, I don't know the constitution is different than Virginia, but Virginia has, you know, one of those um, mixes between the, the local and the state. But where do you see the happy medium getting to that with the happy hunting ground? I think they would they would know that's probably not the right analogy. <laughs> that's probably not the right one at all. What does uh, what's the what's the happy medium here? Um, I, I don't I don't really know. So I'm not on appropriations. I'm not on finance. I'm not on the inside of a lot of this stuff. Okay. Um, and and yet I would, I, would, I would say that when companies like Amazon come into Virginia, um, when other big corporations come into Virginia, when their CEOs are making what their CEOs are making, I'm, I'm guessing that those companies could afford to pay, to pay more to, okay. for the privilege of being here with our educated, intelligent workforce. Okay. Uh, they're, there are ways, there are things that we could do. Do you care, care to share or you want to move that to another time? What? Uh, do, you care, do you care to offer, I mean, you, you mentioned corporate taxes, higher level income taxes. Um, I mean, I, didn't, I think that's where you went, you didn't say it specifically, but just, just curious as to what, what would you look for for potential solutions and funding? That's always, that's always the rub in politics, isn't it? It's like, okay, we've got all these great ideas, how are you going to pay for them? It is the rub, but I, I just, I think that if these were at the top of our priorities, we'd find a way to do it. I just don't think they're there. Like now, uh, hopefully, as Delegate Jenkins was mentioning, hopefully school construction is, mm. we, we finally started to make some progress there and look for ways to fund that. I right. think um, 
I think it's pretty clear that if we decide that this is our priority, then this is what we find a way to fund. Like teachers' salaries didn't get funded for a decade. And now we're finding ways to give raises to the teachers. I, I just think it's a question of prioritizing. Okay. Uh, Delegate Jenkins, what do you see in the future as far as um, tax policies? There's been a, obviously Governor Yunkin has laid out a very aggressive tax program that's uh, not being as well received by, by about half the legislature as the other, but um, what are your priorities on that? Well, as uh, Delegate Kadidas has said, I'm, I'm not on appropriation as well, but uh, I, I will say this is that um, um, currently we do have a, a, a surplus on hand, but we can't exhaust our surplus. We have to continue to find ways to keep the revenue coming in so it can replenish itself. If we just spend it and, and it doesn't replenish itself, then we find right. ourselves in, in a hole. Uh, when, when it comes to um, school, uh, building new schools, uh, at one time there was some discussion about allowing local localities um, to uh, have a uh, to 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 increase their tax rates by one percent, something of that nature. Uh, I'm not sure of all the details, so that they could uh, um, 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 be responsible for for school construction themselves. So so there are some some discussions out there, and there are some things that be, can be done. Uh, but but for us, I think we have to continue to. Um, uh, make sure that we don't exhaust our reserves, uh, continue to build that. And uh, the Senate, the Senate currently has an, an excellent um, budget proposal um, to, to make sure our teachers um, get the pay they deserve and that we can uh, continue to assist with um, Medicaid, assisting the Medicaid. Right. So, so there are some plans out there. I just think that like always, we have to sit down and negotiate and fine tune it. And, uh, uh, and and work work those things out. Okay, so I, I think the uh, proposal that was put forward, and, and I, if I'm not mistaken, it was Senator Jennifer McClellan, former housemate of mine, uh, or house colleague, um, house colleague, not housemate, <laughs> um, was a one cent increase on the the uh, in, the sales tax by locality to help fund school construction. Is that something you favor? Uh, yes, yes, uh, yes, it, it, it's needed. It, it's definitely needed. And I tell you, um, uh, I, I don't think that that's a real challenge when, when, when we continue to bring jobs to Virginia and help persons with economic development, uh, help businesses uh, yeah. develop and, 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 and strive, uh, make sure that there is a living, uh, a good wage uh, in Virginia. When we do those types of things, um, then, then, then persons will see that as beneficial and needed. So uh, we do the groundwork, then, and then that, that's, that's, that's durable. Uh, Delegate Gaditis, the uh, one cent uh, added to the sales tax by locality to help fund school construction. Uh, where, where were you on that proposal? I don't know if it came through the house or not, uh, but is that something you could support? Absolutely. In my first session, uh, not set, in my first term, in the summer, I drove down to all the way to the southwesternmost corner of Virginia and visited Delegate Kilgore's area because everyone had talked about the need down there and I wanted to see it for myself. Um, and I spent a few days and I met with everybody, the, the chair of the board of supervisors and the school superintendent and uh, the chair of the local mental health clinic and just and UVA wise 
and uh, and it it made me. And I visited several schools, and not only that, but I got driven past many little schools that were in the center of these small communities that were closed. And the school is the center of a community. If the school is closed and the community is, has taken one more step towards being not functional. And um, I absolutely support uh, this, this one yeah, cent to my, go my sense is, school construction. My sense is nationally, uh, states are moving towards more of a consumption-based tax code that is more reflective of our uh, sales, uh, you know, service-oriented um, economy versus a you know mid-20th century economy that was far more industrial um, and, and, and income-based. Now that the the, the 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 generation of income doesn't come from as much as income, and they see that inequality as well. But on this on the, the services and the and the goods side of our economy. Um, begs the question, is that where Virginia should go as well, move towards more taxing uh, sales versus taxing income and finding a balance there to compete with other states, Delegate Gaditis? Well, I would guess so, but something else happened to the rural areas in this country, and that is the factory farms that essentially made it so hard for the small family farmer to make a good living. And in so many rural areas in Virginia, we are losing those family farms, the small and medium farms right and left. And the ones that are hanging in there are not making a good living, um, many of them. And those, so many of the small communities, which we have small communities just dying. Sure. And a lot of that was the agricultural, not, not just the industrial economy, but the agricultural economy. And I'm on the Agriculture Chesapeake Natural Resources Committee and really try to help farmers make a living because we need them. And one of the things we learned in the pandemic is supply issues. So if you wanna eat, you better hope that we have a strong agricultural economy in Virginia and one where farmers are not working a full-time job outside and then just sort of scraping by and producing some food for us. We need to support our farmers and our fisher folk um, so that we can continue to eat even in times of crisis. Completely agree on the, on the, the general direction. Uh, policies in this area are always difficult to come up with. Uh, incentives work as we know and I think the small organic farming um, world is a, is a, is a it's a burgeoning industry unto itself once we can get that uh, off the off the ground, literally and figuratively into the ground and off the ground, literally uh, to do that. Because I, I see a lot more farm to table uh, economies uh, sprouting up and uh, it's 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 encouraging in that regard. It's also, I think, good for the climate and good for uh, good for uh, carbon sequestration. Delegate Jenkins, uh, where do you see tax policy going in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Well, I, I tell you, like, I, 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 I'll put it like this, uh, like Delegate Gaditis has stated, uh, we've got to find a balance. Uh, we've got to find a balance. Uh, the, the world is changing. The world is changing. There, there, are, there are all kinds of challenges out there now uh, from the pandemic, the war. And uh, so we have to reassess things and, uh, and think about our farmers. We got definitely have to help our farmers. So uh, uh, um, 
education, uh, uh, school systems in a crisis, our, our, our roads, our bridges. Um, there, there's so many different challenges out there now that we've got to go back and reassess things and, and, and see what's worked. Um, um, where, can, where can we move to the right or move to the left? You've got uh, 100 persons in the House of Delegates, 100 bright minds, and we just need to sit down at the table and come up with some workable solutions uh, that will help and uh, to improve things and help person uh, with a quality living. Yeah. Okay, now we're gonna shift into a little bit more personal. So our audience gets to know the delegates and the senators in the Commonwealth of Virginia, their elected officials. Uh, Delegate Jenkins, what's your favorite book? Uh, uh, Live Your Dream by uh, uh, Les Brown. <laughs> and, uh, two, really? Yeah, two books. And the other one is uh, Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> well, I, I actually met uh, John Leslie Brown, uh, Les Brown's son out in California several years ago. Wendy, what's your favorite book? Uh, I'm pretty disgusting because I love to read all the classics over and over again. And I love to read history. And there's one I love to read history of World War II. Oh. Um, one that comes to mind is Bodyguard of Lies, which talks about the, the secret war waged in, in Britain that to undercut you know, the, the Nazi invasion. So just, those are the kinds of things that I feel like there's enough, there's enough real life drama in my everyday job that I like to escape. So, you, so there's enough nonfiction that you don't need fiction, I guess, right? So I'm reading uh, Eric Larson's The Splendid and the Vile about that time in England when they were working on those, 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 uh, those exact things. And I'll recommend to you both Operation Mincemeat on Netflix which talks about, which is a movie about the British um, uh, deceptions to get the Nazis away from Sicily and over to Greece. Good movie, not a great movie, but a really good movie. Um, okay. Wendy, what's your, what's your favorite movie? Oh boy. Uh, I, <laughs> I, my family and I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Again, I live in fantasy land here yeah. And we raised our kids. Um, they just, they lived in this wild imagination in the world, in the woods, in the streams, in the fields. And so the Lord of the Rings movies went right along with that. So we have a tradition in our family that in, as soon as we can have fires in the autumn, we, we turn off all the lights, sit by the fire and watch the Lord of the Rings. That is an outstanding family tradition. And I congratulate you. Clint, what's your favorite movie? Um, I, I really don't. I really don't have a favorite movie uh, right now. Couple um, off the top of your head, if you had to recommend a couple. Well, if I had to recommend a book, uh, a movie to someone, it would. I can't think of the name. Of it. it would be that movie with uh, um, Mel Gibson in it when he deals with the Scots and um, Braveheart. Braveheart. That's it. Yeah, I would recommend Braveheart to anyone. Uh, uh, I, I think it. I, I, I love that. I love that movie. Uh, anything where uh, uh, they're dealing with um, uh, kind of shaping the country, those types of movies, I, I, I like that kind of stuff. But yeah, Braveheart, Mel Gibson, that was one of my favorites. Taking on the bullies. I have to say, my middle name is, Wa my maiden name is Wallace. There we go. There we go. <laughs> all right. All right. That's great stuff. Uh, favorite TV show, Clint? What's your favorite TV show growing up? Uh, favorite TV show growing up was, um, believe it or not, it was uh, The Electric Company. <laughs> the Electric Company? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's outstanding. I, I, 
Yeah, the electric company. I would uh, I, when I come home, when came home from school, the electric company. That that was that was my favorite show. Yeah, that is that's a great answer. That's a great answer. I've asked a lot of people that, and I've never heard electric company. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Wendy, how about you? Well, growing up, I didn't watch TV because I was out on a pony. But my favorite TV show would probably have to be West Wing. Really? Oh, that was a good one. You know, I, I'll uh, I'll tell a, a, little, a little humble brag story here. When uh, I was in the house, a friend of mine got me a tour of the West Wing at night on Wednesdays. They do private after after hours West Wing tours, and my family and I we took we took that, and I saw for the first time the West Wing in the West Wing. I, I <laughs> it was it was on the uh, one of the uh, security guards had it on the television. It was like the first time I ever got a chance to watch it because I just never got a chance to raising kids. It's like, you know, I've always heard it's great, but oh, there it is. And I'm in the West Wing. That was ironic. Um, have you seen it now? Have you seen it since? No, not really. I mean, I'd have, I could have to go back to start watching. It. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces in some shows, but not like I've never binged it. I've never watched like entire episodes, seasons. I'm, not, I'm just not most of those most of those. You know, Wendy, I stay away from contemporary political shows because when you live it, you don't want to come home and do it all over again. I don't, I just try to stay away from contempt. Now, I'll, I'll go back and I'll watch Darkest Hour about um, the bombing of, uh, of London and uh, Churchill come. I'll watch that every other week, the movie itself. Uh, but, but watching those shows, I'm, I would probably go more towards Modern Family um something like that to just to, to binge um but that, that's just me um I get, I get i get tired of the politics and you know because when you start going in you know in our world but i will watch house of cards house of cards i really liked house of cards i really liked at least the three or four first three or four seasons uh we'll finish up on sports i know you're an equestrian uh person wendy what are your favorite sports teams do you follow anyone in particular not a single one but thrilled with rich strikes win of the kentucky derby that was absolutely <laughs> absolutely bloody incredible and i watched the overhead view of that probably 10 times just isn't that amazing i have i just bought a new horse three days ago and she's a she's a thoroughbred off the track that's what i love and i have a field full of them and that's, uh that's sports that's sports that counts that's where i am that that, that I, I, uh clint i don't know if you've seen the aerial view of the kentucky derby yes. uh as they, as they have you seen that yes 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 that is that is one of my favorite sports videos of all time. It's thrilling. It's absolutely thrilling. I get chills thinking about it right it now. It is. It's amazing. Clint, what's your favorite uh, sports teams in, in whatever sport? Uh, believe it or not, uh, when I did, when I used to watch a lot of sports, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, yeah, yeah, diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. See that guy and, right yeah, there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know who that is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. who? Franco, who Franco yeah, Harris? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, and tennis. I, I I used to play tennis when I was in high school. My football coach uh, considered himself giving me a gift, and he made me play tennis in high school, and uh, um, it has stuck with me. And so yeah, I love I love to play tennis when I get an opportunity. But um, don't get it. Don't get the opportunity now to watch a lot of sports or play a lot of tennis. But uh, those were my sports. 
That's fantastic. A, for a Steeler fan like myself who was born downtown Pittsburgh, yeah. and my yeah. whole family, okay. my son lives there now. We're, we're just, we're, we were cheering when they were 1-13, and 13, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> true, true story. True story. I'm still seeing myself in my grandmother's uh, bedroom cheering on the Steelers when they were 1-13 because she yeah. loved Terry Hanratty. <laughs> For, for Terry Bradshaw. Anyway, this has been a really enjoyable conversation, and I wish you all the very best. And I hope the budget passes soon. Any uh, any clues as to what's going to happen there? I wish I had a clue, but there I don't. Are none. There yeah. are no clues. No, no indication. No clues. All right. We what don't even a, what, know when. What about a clue on your uh, House Democratic Caucus leadership race? What's going on there? Well, it's it's a it's a drama for sure and uh you know we're we will choose a new leader and time will tell and time will tell any clues as to when that's going to happen and uh, who is going to be clint well i'll tell you i tell you chris for me uh being in the civic arena uh working with churches and different things uh leadership changes leadership changes people changes new ideas uh things change with the times and uh, that's how I see our caucus. You have persons, uh, new people in, in there, and they have new ideas. And, and you, you give them a chance to present it on the floor, and you go with the best ideas. Okay. Okay. Sounds like the drama is going to continue. And since y'all are a part of it, I'm going to leave it to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you for this opportunity. That's y'all's burden to carry, not mine. <laughs> it's been a great conversation. Thank you very much. No, thank you. This has been a great conversation here at the VIP Podcast, Virginia and Politics, brought to you by VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia. And as you can see behind me, there they are, Virginia Free, the nonprofit pro-business organization of Virginia, doing that since 1988. We hope you'll join us again on the podcast. And also, if you can, subscribe, like, and share on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining us.